Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. By the way, am I on? We're on now. We get together, we get in the house of the Lord, it's his house, he invites us into his house, and then he says, hey, we're going to worship together, and we just say, there's nothing else that I would rather be doing because you are the only one in our lives, each one of us have experienced, or you need to experience Jesus in a whole new way that says, man, Jesus, you're the only one. There's stuff that comes against our lives, there's things that tries to pull me down, but Jesus, you, you allow me to rise above that because you are the only one. Father, thank you that we can be in your house this morning. Thank you that you invite us in. Thank you that you put your son, Jesus Christ, over the head of your church and that he loves us in such a way that he shepherds us. He protects us, but if we get out of line, he pulls us right back to where we need to be. Father, thank you for that wonderful plan, that perfect order that you create in, in our lives. Jesus, you're the reason that we're here. Absolutely 100%. Jesus, be glorified through our speech, through our, our actions, through this time of worship, this time of the word. Father, help us to open up our hearts that we may receive. Open up our minds that we may process that intellectually and apply it into our lives as we are led by you, Holy Spirit. In short, you got the day. You have the day. Do within us and within this church whatever you want and whatever you see fit. And we pray this in the mighty name of our King and our Savior and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And everyone shout it out. Amen. I would say you may be seated, but you guys beat me to it. You guys are already seated. That's awesome. Thank you, worship team. That was good, right? We're not done yet. We'll close with some, some more of those songs, and we'll just get into it. It's going to be awesome. Kids, I'll dismiss you guys right now. You guys can loudly exit the building, go downstairs. Oh, don't you love the sound of them foot, feet, elephant walks? All of that good stuff. All right, we got a couple quick announcements here, a couple things coming up, the two main things coming up. Next, next Saturday, yes, next Saturday is the city or the downtown scavenger hunt. So that's going to, if you did it last year, you know how much fun it was. Hopefully the weather will be good. We are going to meet at 10 a.m. at the giant flagpole at Memorial Park. Y'all know where that is, right? The Centennial Park, Centennial Memorial, the one park with the giant flag, Centennial Park, 10 o'clock, meet there, and then you get your instructions, you get the directions, you get what you need to find, and, uh, and you're off and running. Um, it's way more fun to do it in pairs or small groups, so, uh, so please be there for that if you, if you want to have some fun and do a scavenger hunt. So that's next Saturday, 10 a.m., and then... A week from tomorrow, VBS kicks off. It's here already. That's hard to believe. So if you're a volunteer,
here. Be ready. There's a lot going on. A lot of people are preparing and everything. There are still some some spots available. Um, so if you need to get signed up, I would get signed up ASAP, but it's going to be a great day. If you have any questions on that, if you're signed up to do anything and you haven't made that contact with Debbie to get your shirt and all that, make sure you do that today or next Sunday for sure. Um, one last announcement for um, the cafe. They are going to no longer be doing cold brew because not very many people were drinking the cold brew. So cold brew's not there, but I think they can still do iced coffee. All that good stuff, I, that's important to know, right? And then also, please, um, we had more people use the, the online ordering before service um, today, so that works out really good. Um, once again, we don't want to stroll in at 9.55 and place an order, right? You're still going to get your coffee, but that keeps the workers out of church for the, the first little bit. So let's try to order online or get here early enough to get that order in. And if you get here early enough, you can hang around and talk to people. Imagine that. It's a great thing. God wants us to, to talk to people. That is the announcements, I think. Um, Four ways to give, like always. Give online at bridgehelena.com. You can text it to 84321. You can use the giving box, or you can send it to 725 Granite Avenue. Of course, our app is, our, is part of our online stuff. Our app really has everything. You can order your coffee. You can give online. You can listen to last week's message. You can find out what's going on on the calendar. You can get to the bulletin. Everybody needs to do that. John said about half the people. Um, are actually using the app, which is really great. We would love the other app to jump into that. If you have questions on that, need help getting that put on your phone or your tablet or anything, John Rabine is the one to, uh, to ask. Don't ask me about that. I'm going to be like, I have no idea. I know how to use the app, but I don't know how to install it and all that. All right. You guys doing good? Yeah. You guys ready to get rolling? had several comments about the series and people are just seem to be excited um, to be entering this series and and I know I am I think there's a lot of good stuff that we're gonna get out of this um, before we get started I am just gonna warn you um, all my teachers in elementary school were right I'm slow that's what they always they said you're slow and and uh, and I took that as a compliment so as we go through Colossians I go slow Right. If you want to get through Colossians in three or four services, this is not the series for you. We are going to slow way down. We got the summer to do this. Um, I was talking to some people this morning, and I simply said, when when we just run through stuff, we, we don't let it linger, and therefore we may miss a lot. And sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes the Holy Spirit guides us to, to, to read through a book of the Bible relatively quickly because he wants us to get that, that big picture from way up above, but at other times he wants us to slow down and, and really dissect what's going on. That is what we're going to do today. You will, you will understand that this morning because as we start the book of Colossians this morning, we don't get very far into the book of Colossians this morning, which is again, okay, just bear with me. Open up yourself. Um, Let's really, let's really look into this. We don't want to just learn about it. We want to learn about it and how it can practically 
apply to our lives, change our, our daily thinking, put it into effect. I don't think, uh, I don't think anybody would argue with that. Who wants, who wants biblical knowledge without biblical application, right? You know, as biblical knowledge without biblical ac- application, our enemy does. He knows the Bible backwards and forwards. He's a, he knows the Bible. He doesn't apply the Bible. And what does that get him? Not much. And, and so we're going to slow down. We're going to do everything nice and slow. So let's pray, and we're going we're gonna to jump right into this. Father, once again, we thank you that we can gather here today relatively unobstructed, Lord God. And we live in a place, a time, a nation that uh, coming to church is, is completely by our choice and our doing. There's not a lot that will impede us besides ourselves to come to church. So we gather here today, and we're thankful that we live in such a place and such a time that we can do this um, unobstructed. So Jesus, be glorified this morning in all that we say and all that we do, all that we read, all that we apply. Lord, help us to continue to focus upon you. Holy Spirit, man, run the show today. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you illuminate these words, these these words from this epistle to us today so that we can gain the understanding that you have for each one of us. We yield to you. So Holy Spirit, allow me to say all those things that you want me to say. Shut my mouth with everything else. Rule and reign in this place. Help us to humble ourselves so that we can be open to what you are speaking to us. And like I always pray, and you are always faithful in, Lord, let no one leave here today the same way that they came in. We pray in your name once again, Jesus, and everyone shout it out. All right, are you guys ready? You guys ready to get rolling um, today? Today we actually start digging in to the book of Colossians verse by verse. If you guys were here last week, you know that we kind of went through the, the who, what, when, where, why kind of stuff. So we get that, that background as to why Paul is writing this epistle, why he is writing this letter to this church. And I think that's, a, that's an important way to start out any series. It gives us greater context. It allows us to have a greater understanding instead of just jumping in and trying to assume or figure that out. So that's a, that's a very good foundation that we always like to start with. Now, if you remember from last week, if we wanted to sum this book up in one statement, the book of Colossians, if we wanted to say, what is the book of Colossians about? And in, in one condensed little, little saying, we could just simply say the supremacy of Christ, Right? It's about the supremacy of Christ, and that is so vitally important and needed. Now, as I, as I continue to say that, I thought, well, do we really know what supremacy actually is? Because supremacy, isn't that, that kind of can get bad connotations in, in the media and things like that. So let's look at what supremacy is. Supremacy is simply the state or condition of being superior to all others in authority, power, or status. I love that definition. That definition doesn't leave a whole lot of room for leeway, does it? If Christ is supreme, then he is simply the state or condition of being superior to all other things in authority, power, or status. See, there is only one. There is only one that is truly superior and can fulfill this title our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because I do. I believe it. Now, going in 
into verse 1 and continuing through the, through the very last verse of this book, we must carry an understanding that, that Paul wrote this letter in response to false teachings that were being propagated in the Christian community of Colossae, something the church age has always struggled with and something that is very much alive in churches today. So within addressing these issues, Paul stays true to the truth of God and proclaims and reinforces these three Christian principles. Three Christian principles, we remember them from last week. Flip that slide. Number one, Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. Number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. Man, those are foundational, aren't they? Those are so amazing. Paul is telling this church, he's saying, this is what you need to focus on. This is where you need to be. But it's not just that church. It's for each and every believer. This is where we need to be. So let's keep these three principles in front of us as we study this letter. But beyond that, Let's practically apply these principles into our lives on a daily basis. See, by doing that, by doing that, our faith will continue to grow. It will continue to deepen. How many of you guys know that no matter how long you've been a Christian, maybe it's hours, maybe it's decades, maybe it's pushing a century, who knows? No matter where you are, we need to continue to deepen our faith. We need to continue to press in. We need to continue to pursue Jesus. How do we do this? Well, we can take these same principles and we can make them very personal. We can say, say this, Jesus, you are central and supreme to me and in all things in my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. You know, I wonder what would happen if each one of us, let's just do it for a week, right? Let's just try this for a week. But before we get out of bed in the morning, every single morning, starting tomorrow morning, we simply pray these exact things. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me in all things in my life. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. I just wonder how the rest of our day might go if we started our day out with such a proclamation. Crazy, right? Amen. Totally crazy, but I wonder what would happen if you guys want to engage in that. I would encourage you to do so. See, that's how we take these biblical truths and make them our personal truths. Now remember, these can't be just words. They have to be followed through with our actions as well. So we have to actually live a life believing these things to be true and applying them into our lives. All right, let's get started. Let's get started in this wonderful, powerful book, this letter that's known as Colossians. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles today, electronic, paper, whatever it is, um, I would encourage you to mark them up. Today is today to not let your Bibles look nice and clean and pretty. It's to get the pen out, get the highlighter out. Let's take notes. Let's, let's circle words, whatever the Holy Spirit guides you to do. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 
1. We're starting in verse 1. Let's look at verse 1. It says this. This is out of the Amplified. I like to, when we go through a series, I really like to teach out of the Amplified Bible just because it it adds a lot of extra flavor to it, right? We get a deeper understanding. It says this, Paul, an apostle, a special messenger, personally chosen representative of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. I read this, as with a lot of the other letters in the Bible, especially with Paul's, and I just think, man, Paul is awesome. Paul is awesome. See, instead of him simply starting a letter with, to whom it may concern, or even, dear Colossian church, modern times he would have sent a text with no context, with no emotion, with with no extra or anything like that. But Paul, Paul doesn't do this. See, Paul... Paul takes this time, even in this very first verse, even in this, the beginning of this greeting, and he, he instead interjects this Christian content to even that. And this isn't anything new for Paul, as he, he's really following his standard form of greeting when he is writing a letter. See, Paul is showing that he is writing this letter and, and, and with and, and under the authority that was established and given to him by Christ himself. That's so incredibly important that Paul starts the letter in this way. He starts it out right from the beginning. From these opening words, it would have been evident to the original readers that, that everything that follows, every truth, every principle, every accolade, and even every criticism is coming from someone who is, first of all, he himself submitted to Christ, and second, one who is speaking with authority within that church. It's important, isn't it? Never underestimate the importance of the opening statement in these epistles. The original reader would not have underestimated this, and neither should we. I think for you and me, I think an introduction like this can help serve as guidelines or maybe even a caution as to who we allow to speak into our lives. This isn't just a random person writing the, the church here. This isn't just somebody who's, who's kind of a Christian sometimes and kind of not sometimes. It's not a stranger. It's not somebody who's not known, right? It's somebody who cares that church is under the authority of Christ himself to write this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that when we need advice or guidance in our life, we need to be careful. We need to be careful whose counsel and content we allow into our lives. See, there's a lot of voices out there, so be careful because all of those voices in your life are not beneficial to you. Take any other truth out of here today, Remember that one. So it's like, it's like when I'm bored and I get on my phone and I check out Facebook and, and I'm looking through Facebook. Mostly it's like 
fly fishing stuff or fly tying stuff. I'll admit that. I'm not going to hide that. But, but sometimes I'm in there and I'm looking through Facebook and I see people, friends, you know, friends on Facebook that I don't really know. But, but they're there and they're asking for guidance. They're taking the social media, this massive platform, and they're asking for guidance for big decisions or personal advice, things that they're going through, and they're taking to Facebook to ask for that. And I just think, really? Really? How do you even begin to trust that? But we live in a culture. There's a whole culture out there, and that's their mode of seeking counsel within their, well, somebody on Facebook told me I should. Really? That's crazy. What's even more crazy is people are asking for spiritual advice on Facebook. Might that open the door to good things? Absolutely. Might that open the door to some crazy, funky, cultish, whacked out theology? Absolutely. This is why Paul's opening here is important and can help us to understand the importance of seeking wise counsel into our life. Do you? Do each one of you have somebody in your life that you would consider wise counsel? That you can go to in times where it's like, man, I got these big decisions going on in my life. I need to bounce this out. Do you guys have that in your life? I would encourage you to get that. And that's, again, don't throw it on Facebook. No way. I, I, I truly believe, because I'll read some of the answers on Facebook, some of the posts, and it's like, man, there's people out there that are just totally screwing around with this person's life. And that is completely wrong. And on the other hand, it can be very humorous um, with their responses, because it's like, man, this person's believing that. How far-fetched is that? So get some wise counsel in your life. Paul here is acting as their wise counsel. Right off the bat, those that are in this church know why that this letter is coming, right? This, this letter is being written by, by Paul the Apostle. They, they're understanding, okay, this is why the letter's coming. Um, we had heard rumors. We kind of see what's going on. Now, Paul is addressing himself in a way that allows us to kick back and understand that he has the authority to speak. He is an authorized spokesman for God who is commissioned to act on God's behalf. All in this little tiny opening, we've established all this good stuff. Now we also see that Timothy is with Paul here at the time of of this letter's writing, but in reality, Timothy has little or nothing to do with the actual writing of the epistle. So, so Paul was like, hey, I'm going to include him, even though there's not a lot going on with him. He's, he's not going to be much of this. All right, let's keep going. Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. This is what I really want to get into. To the saints and faithful believers in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father. Once again, we read this, we look into it, we can skip over it, we can say, hey, I want to get into the meaty part, but I would say there's a 
meet right here that, that can help guide us and help us to, to begin to look at things in our own life in a different way. See, now we are introduced to the recipients of this letter. We know who the recipients of the letter are because when we look in the Bible, it's Colossians, right? It's the book of Colossians, so it has to be Colossae. But, but again, Paul is introducing in a personal way, saying this, this letter is unique to you. Right? This letter, I, I'm focused upon you. I'm focused upon the issues that I'm writing you about. So it's very personal. Now we know, and uh, the recipients of this letter would have also known, again, why Paul is writing. There were these issues going on here, and, and the church was headed into dangerous territory, and something needed to be done, right? It was a train wreck being being getting ready to happen, and, and, uh, and something's got to be done. So, of course, Paul was brought in, and he writes this letter. So, so we know what's going on. These, these recipients, those that the letter was actually to, would have known what was going on. So, so what Paul is doing here is it's, it's a general letter to the Christian community, but he does something here that's, that's interesting and important. Paul is writing to the saints and the faithful believers there, right? So say somebody writes a, a letter to this church and addresses it to the saints and the believers. As much as I love this church, and we love new people, and we love um, new people to Jesus, and we disciple them and walk through them in this, sometimes there are certain things that we talk about that just go over their head because they're not quite as deep yet as some of the others. And then there's the casual visitors here that, that, that don't really jump into Jesus as much as everyone else. So something like this, Paul is writing, and he, and he uses the word saints and faithful believers, maybe to, to differentiate those that are going off in the weird position, right? Those that are going off in this false teaching and those that have firmly planted themselves on the word of God. Those who are aware of the issues and have a desire to correct those issues are the ones that Paul is writing to. Paul uses the words faithful believers, and that highlights their loyalty to Christ, a quality that was, was of vital importance to those people, right? And should be vital importance to each one of us in here today. Here's the thing. If a church is eroding from within, because of false teachings, and it is confusing, and, and, and it's dividing the people of that congregation, the only way it will survive is if there are faithful believers there who are to stand and resist that apostasy. Hear me when I say this. If you are in a church that is straying from its biblical roots, it's worth standing upon the foundation of the word in order to keep it a biblical church, no matter what waves it might make. You guys believe that? You guys believe that? I I'm sorry to say I don't see that a lot in our nation today because there's a lot of churches that are going down a, a dangerous path and there's a lot of people that are just riding that train and they're, they're saying, I don't agree with that, yet they're not doing anything to combat that. They're not asking questions. They're not, they're not, they're not going to the people they need to go to to help prevent 
that decay of that church. It's happening all around us. That's why this letter is so very appropriate for us today. So hopefully we can understand and identify with these believers. These faithful believers wanted Christ, and they wanted biblical truth above everything else. Many times, unfortunately, in the lifespan of a church, sometimes things happen, and there's something that occurs that we, we label as a church split, right? Um, it's as if the congregation um, just splits right in half, and half of them want this, and half of them want that, and, and it's never a good thing. It always causes hurt and pain and, and division. But many times in a church split, there is one group made up by those who side with the pastor, right? Oh, the pastor, man, he's just doing a great job. He's Everything that he's doing, we got to back the pastor. And then there's another group that, that seems to be against the pastor. And sometimes in these situations, emotions get the best of people. And it becomes way too personal, causing the Word, the Bible, the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and, and God's will to seemingly get lost in all the chaos. In these cases, good Christian people can lose sight of the bigger picture, the God picture, because pride and emotions cloud their judgment. So faithful believers in Christ continually seek the bigger God picture. There is humility there, and that allows one to seek God's will above everything. That light is going to drive me crazy. I'm going to unplug it. I don't know why it did. Actually, I'm not. I'm just going to do this. There. Fixed it. <laughs> Fixed it. Before anybody wants to, you know, cause a church split because of the flashing lights, just know that we're scripturally we're going to put it in the darkness because we don't believe what's going on there. But seriously, so Paul is getting involved here, right, before, before emotions and pride and anger and um, offense can take hold in this church, and he's going to come in and he's going to say, no, we're going to talk about the supremacy of Christ. Put, put all of that aside. Let's get back to the basics. Let's keep God in the position that he needs to be in because everything needs to flow from there, and we're not going to cause a church split because somebody doesn't like the carpet, or, or they don't have an organ, but they have a piano, or they painted the, the color of the church, something that I didn't like, or things like that. It happens. It happens all the time. So Paul is stepping in here to say, hey, you know what? There's bigger issues going on here, so we need to keep those bigger issues front and center because we need to look at the supremacy of Christ because that's the real issue of what's going on in this church. Paul, again, amazing. Amazing that he had the desire to get involved here. See, this is the only way that this church or any church that is going through issues can limit the damage and the hurt. It's for us to humble ourselves and to seek God in all of those things, to get wise counsel when that, that wise counsel is needed. So, so Paul here, by addressing these people as saints 
and faithful believers is reminding them to always keep the first things first and the most important things in the number one position. Again, we're into to, to two verses. Seemingly, it's just an introduction to this book, but there's already so much that is already been established and is going on. And I would say this is a great way to start a letter, especially one that affirms the supremacy of Christ. Paul also uses this greeting as a way to build up in Christ those believers who are in Colossae. Though they may have come from a different culture, a different background, um, a different social status, they were, they were racially different, right, because of the region that they lived in, Though that all occurs, that's what we see with our eyes, that's what we place into our human understanding. Paul is, is, is beyond that, he's looking beyond that because they are a part of the community of Christian believers who are all bound together by Christ himself, right? That's something that we need to understand. As born-again believers, we are all part of the spiritual family of God. Isn't that awesome, though? I mean, seriously. Isn't, that a, isn't it cool that you could go anywhere in the world right now? You could go anywhere to any country in the world right now, and you can find brothers and sisters in Christ. Some places, it's going to be a little harder to find them, but they're there. And as soon as you find them, you're going to identify with them as families. You're sharing the bloodline of Christ. There is an, a different conversation that is going to go on there than simply if you meet a stranger on the street who's not a believer. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I guess the weather. But you go out and you're walking around and you, you meet somebody and, and Jesus comes up and you recognize that they're a believer in Christ. That conversation just goes in a whole new direction, doesn't it? There's intensity there. There's depth there. That's because we are all part of the spiritual family of God. Paul, Paul was really big into this. And I think we should be really big into it too. Look at, look at what Paul wrote in, in Galatians. Galatians 3, 27 and 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's a great passage. Now, before taking this out of context, which there's a lot today that want to take this and, and, and mutilate it and take it out of context, it's going on right now, Let, let's understand that, that what Paul is saying here is that there, there are no ethnic, national, socioeconomic, or gender barriers with regard to one's spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. We should all say amen to that. We should all say amen to that. And we look at that as a personal statement, right? We're looking at that saying, oh, thank you, Lord, that, that you didn't put anything against me, that there wasn't, a, there wasn't a standard that you put. I didn't have to be born in this area. I didn't have to have this last name. I didn't have to be this gender, which there's only two of. I didn't have to be this color. I didn't have to have this much money. I didn't have to have to do any of those things. Jesus just said, I want you to come in. It's very personal. It's a very personal statement to each one of us. But don't leave it as a personal statement to you. 
Extend that personal statement to those that are around you. Because the church can really be bad at why are they in our church today? Where'd they wander in from? Well, who is that? Well, I wonder. Well, I, oh, I think that God doesn't put standards, so I'm not sure we should either. Maybe we should just welcome them in and bless them and, and preach Jesus to them. So there is nothing that's society. There's, there are no man's laws or, or human rationale that can keep anyone from coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, anyone, anywhere, anytime, nothing. Salvation and redemption bypasses these things created by natural man because forgiveness is in Christ. And it's a supernatural event created by death on the cross, the once and for all atonement which is available to any and all who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. See, see, we understand that and we, we, we know that. And, but now we're looking into this letter and we're looking at, at verse 2, of, uh, this verse two of, of the very opening. And in these opening verses of, of Colossians, Paul is affirming and reminding the believers of who they are in Christ. And I love that. See, we could have jumped over these first two verses and just went on, but we missed all this richness. It's a reminder that is for each one of us. Now, I want to warn you. I want to put that slide up. This is a warning. It's a warning today. This is just Jason's theory. This is just my own theology. So please take it as that. What I'm about to talk about, this is, this is from me, right? This is, if you don't like it, throw it out. I'm, I'm giving you that warning. Toss it out. Not going to hurt my feelings. But I believe with Paul in regards to, to, to this desire to make sure that, that, that everybody has an understanding that it is in Christ alone and by no standards or laws of man. It's in Christ alone that you have a relationship with him. I believe that this stems out of who Paul was and his stature before his conversion. You guys remember, we did our series on the book of Acts, right? And, and we learned about Paul, and we, we know that Paul was a Pharisee. Man, he was like the golden child, man. He was the one coming up. He was like, woo, you know this young Pharisee named Paul? He is, he is a zealot, man. He is fervent. He is smart. He is on it. Man, he is the dude. He's going to ascend to the top relatively quickly. He'll probably be the youngest head, the youngest, youngest chief. Man, they, they were fascinated by Paul because of his fervency in the law and being a Pharisee. And with that, with that came prestige and prominence, right? I, I, I would be willing to bet that, that maybe Paul's ego, before he met Jesus, maybe, maybe his ego was a little inflated, Right? How could it not be when everybody was coming up to him going, man, you're so amazing. You're the best. Just speak to us. It'll totally change. Just sit by me. Here, the head of the table, all this. So his ego probably got just a little big. And that was the, the case with most of the Pharisees. So simply put, as a Pharisee, he was more holy than others. 
He was more clean than the common folk. He was more spiritual than, than that group of fishermen over there, right? And that's why Jesus had, had such an issue with the Pharisees. I'm sorry to say, but this is also something that we must guard against and protect ourselves against today. So don't fall into the prideful trap of thinking that you are more spiritual or you are better or you are less sinful than the common people that are around you. That is not a Christ-like attitude or attribute. But then Paul gets radically touched by Jesus. We would say Paul gets radically saved, right? Knocked off his horse, blinded. Man, Jesus audibly speaks to him. Man, there is something going on. Oh, 100 degree 180 degree change and everything was different for Paul including how he saw others remember this but more importantly implement this into your faith flip that slide humility in Christ allows us to see Christ in others you guys believe it? Humility in Christ allows us to see Christ. If we don't have humility in Christ, we're blinded. We don't see Christ in other people. We start complaining. We start putting ourselves above them. And then a lot of bad things start to happen. If you struggle to see Christ in people, might I offer you this advice? Take a look in the mirror and what's going on with you. We love the truth in this church, don't we? Let's go back to our passage. Let's go back to verse 2. To the saints and faithful believers in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father. Underline the words in Christ. Circle those words. If you, if you got your paper Bible, if you got it on the phone, I think you can underline it. In Christ is important. See, Paul uses these words more than 160 times in various forms in his writings. It's important for him to include this. He uses them to emphasize the spiritual position of the believer. If one is in Christ, they are a part of his church. Did you hear me? If one is in Christ, they are a part of his church. Therefore, they are to be considered brothers and sisters. Take a quick look around. Really, take a quick look around. I'll wait. Look, I get to see all you people. You face me. Most of them, that's good. Sometimes, ah. Oh. Just kidding. We want to look around. See, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's all make sure we are acting and treating them like they are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I say that, I don't mean like the big brother picking on the little brother. Right? Hey, lick the frozen flagpole. It would be really cool. No, we don't treat them like that. We, we treat them like family right? We give them the respect that, that is due. Treating them with that respect and love and patience 
and care and nurturing that they deserve. And they deserve it simply because of Jesus himself. Jesus is the head of the church. He is our shepherd. He wants us to take care of each other as he takes care of us in a general sense. Now, will our family sometimes do things that we take offense to? <laughs> yep, we live in a very offensive time in, in the history. And, and our family, man, they'll do things. And it'll offend us. Of course they will. Will our family ever do things that will disappoint us? Yeah, absolutely. You got, you got brothers and sisters in Christ and they do something and you just shake your head. And, and a little secret as a pastor, I shake my head a lot. I pull my hair out till there's no hair left. And I think, what, uh, what are they thinking? What are they doing? What are they posting on Facebook? My goodness, we're representations of Jesus, number one, and Bridge Assembly, number two, and you just posted, what were you thinking? And, and there are things that disappoint us. They, that'll happen, right? Our family members will disappoint us. Will our family members ever do things that hurt us? More so probably than anybody else. Right. When our, when our church family, when our brothers and sisters in Christ do something and it hurts us, it hurts us deeply. Sometimes we can justify the others and simply say, well, they don't know Jesus. So of course they're going to do that. They're going to lash out at me. And, and, and though it hurts, at least I have a, a basic understanding as to why they're doing it, right? We do that. But when, it, when it's a fellow believer, when it's somebody that we're close to, it's a, it's a brother or sister in Christ, and, and they do things, and that hurts us, it hurts bad. And it's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna do, us, do it to us. Sometimes church hurts. Most of the time, church hurts are the worst hurts. Man, I'd rather break my leg than go through a church hurt because my leg heals relatively quickly. Not as quickly as 20 years ago, but it still heals. But church hurts affect me in a way that, that cuts me deep, and it hurts. So will, will our family ever do things that hurt us? Yep. How about this one? Will our family ever do things that will drive us absolutely crazy daily? They will do that on a daily, they believe me. I'm speaking from experience here. Absolutely, yeah, drive you crazy. Drive you, how do I even deal with this? But we deal with it because it's part of our family. So come on. This is our family through which we share the blood of Christ. So let's begin to treat our family the way we need to be treating our family. Amen? I'll say this. I'll say this. This church, I love this church. I love this body. I love this congregation. We, we, we love each other. Man, we care for each other. We do things with each other. It, it wasn't always the way. I'll, I'll say this. When we first got here and we were thrown into this, it was like, what just happened? What is going on? There was, there was just a lot of hurt. There was division. There's just a lot of things going on. But, but as we stick through it, and, and, and the culture 
gets established that puts Jesus number one, right? And this idea that, that we are brothers and sisters. I, I see people, they make amends and they, they, they ask for forgiveness and they get offended, but they work through that and they don't stay offended and they extend that forgiveness and things like that. I think we are really, really good at that as, as this church. So here's the deal. If you are upset, struggling with any of your family, church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, humble yourself. Open up yourself to the healing process and allow this Holy Spirit that is convicting you right now, pursue that. I would, I would ask you to pursue that. We're going to stop here today because, honestly, verse 3 is about to hit, and it's amazing. And I want to spend ample time on verse 3. That's an incredible verse. Deserves a closer look. However, however, please Please do not dismiss verses 1 and 2 as simply, oh, that's just the required mode in which to, to start a letter. You are the same, guys are the same people who fast-forward movies, right, to get through the opening so you can get into the meat. Yeah, but there's a lot of good stuff in the opening, right? Way more stuff in here. So, so we want to take verse 1 and 2, and we want to try to get as much out of it as we can and what Paul intends for us to get out of it. It's very simple, very simple stuff, but we don't want to rush it. Paul didn't. His recipients didn't. When writing, Paul treated every word of his letter with importance, and we should too. See, it, it, it makes sense because... Obviously, the Bible is, is divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. So there's not a lot of flaky stuff, not a lot of stuff that we can just cut out of there. So when we look at verse 1 and 2, though we, we tend to want to skip over it, dig into it, hopefully you gain a deeper understanding. Uh, let's receive these two verses with the, the same importance as the original reader would have to build those people up to understand that Paul is speaking in the authority that was given to him by Jesus Christ himself. So let's take today what the Holy Spirit wants us to take today. Worship team, if you guys want to come up here. Now with that being said, I would also say this. If anything in this message today stuck out to you, if anything lodged in your cross, so they say, if anything made you, made you want to think about something else, I don't want to even go there, if it, if it made your stomach move at all, if anything like that, if, it, if anything challenged you, there's things in your life that aren't lining up with what we talked about today, and there's a challenge there, and again, if you experienced any type of conviction today, can I encourage you to act upon it now? Act upon it this morning. Just because I'm winding down with the message doesn't mean the most important part of the service isn't about to happen. That's our response time. That's our altar time. The Holy Spirit will meet you where you are 
are and help you get to where Jesus wants you to be. So I'm going to take it even a little bit farther. If you're in here this morning, you're being challenged with anything. If you're in here this morning and, and maybe you've made some bad decisions, you're tired of those bad decisions. You've taken offense. You haven't given forgiveness. You've got, you got something in between you and a Christian brother or sister, and you just don't know the next steps. I would say, come to the altar, get with Jesus, let's get you some prayer, let's follow through with that. Beyond that, I would also say, if anybody in here this morning needs any type of healing, if that's physical healing, if that's emotional healing, if that's spiritual healing, I'm going to give you time to come up here to get before God. I'll pray with you. We have people here that want to pray with you. If we have a house that is full of well people, we got a problem. Because there ain't no house that's full of well people all the time. Our biggest problem would be the problem of humility and honesty. So if you turn those lights all the way down, all the way down, we're going to sing, we're going to end on a high note and everything, and, and all that is great. But before we do, I want to invite you to the altar to pray. I'm going to be there because it's just a great way to be. Maybe your life is great. Maybe nothing in this message really, really challenged you in any way, but maybe you just want to say, man, I believe what's going on in Scripture. I believe what Paul was establishing. I want my life to be ordered in such a way where, where I'm faithfully founded on the blood of Jesus and the word in my life. Join me at the altar. Just do it. If you've never come up before, maybe it's time to just drop the baggage. Stop fighting. Let's meet at the altar. Let's have church at the altar. Let's get before Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us at the altar. Everybody stand up and pray with me. Father, we come before you humble. And Lord God, we struggle with that because pride always comes in and messes things up. Lord God, we come before you with boldness. But that's hard to do because fear always gets in there and messes things up. So Lord, today we understand that you want to meet us at the altar. Holy Spirit, we know you got something for us. Lord God, help us to have the boldness and the humility to get before you to break ourselves before you, to consistently pursue you in a manner that is glorifying to you. Jesus, we ask all these things in your name and by your blood. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Great stuff happens at the altar. Here's the deal. If, if you're up here for healing, if you're up here for anything, you got to receive that, right? You got to say, man, the Holy Spirit's offering it. You got to receive that. And then you got to take that with you. Man, when I pray, don't leave here the same way that you came in. I'm counting on you guys to receive that, to implement it, to put it into your life and to take that out there. Amen. Amen. There's honey in the rock. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.